0: Understanding your anointing. And this uh, evening, the title for our message is The Anointing Begins with Jesus. The Anointing Begins with Jesus. Understanding your anointing. Because well, the anointing, though, Every believer, and certainly, or more so, every pastor desires to have a certain measure of anointing. I believe that most people have a very poor understanding, even at all, a very poor understanding of what the anointing really is. And um, Sunday, we defined, we give a definition of what the anointing is. And tonight we're going to look at how to begin to get it, how you can get it, how you can get God to give it to you. And then we'll continue tomorrow, Friday, and Sunday. So, understanding your anointing that's the theme, that's the topic. And this evening we're looking at the anointing begins with Jesus. Again, let's go to our theme text. Our text which is first second Corinthians chapter one verses twenty to twenty two. Second Corinthians 1, 20 to twenty two. Our theme text is second Corinthians chapter one verses twenty twenty two. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee as a guarantee. Giving out the Holy Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Beloved, uh, receiving the anointing or uh, getting God or making God to raise your level of anointing okay, what about it is, it begins with Jesus. And that's why the anointing that we're talking about is only for believers. The anointing manifests or is seen only in the believer. And as you get to understand the anointing better and better, that presupposes, that means that if you should encounter or come across somebody who appears to be working miracles, Or in whom appears to be the anointing. You come across or you meet somebody who appears to have the anointing or an anointing. And therefore, working miracles or doing things supposedly in the name of Jesus. And that person is not a believer the person is not a believer in Jesus Christ, then church, know then, know now, that that anointing is fake, it's false, and it can therefore not be called anointing, but that person is working with another spirit. Don't forget there are other spirits, We are commanded to test every spirit to know whether it is from God. The Bible commands you and me to test every spirit to know whether it is from God or not. The anointing begins with Jesus. And that's why it is only seen or manifested in the believer. For you and for me, to get a certain level of anointing, God must first, or you must first allow God to establish you in Christ Jesus. Because outside Christ, there cannot be any anointing. And church, you know that people find it easier to refer to God. God. It is more common to hear people talk about God without reference to Jesus. And I'm always very careful when I hear people talk about God, yes, I want to know whether you're talking or that person is talking about the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Now and then, many of you will agree with me if you have a a laptop or a computer or a desktop, now and then scriptures seem to appear on the screen. and I take great care to see whether these scriptures will ever emphasize the name of Jesus. Very often they do not. The last one I saw that um, the gift of God, the gift of God, is eternal life. Full stop. The gift of God is eternal life. But then, the whole sentence is, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. But the part that says through Christ Jesus our Lord has been left out. The gift of God is eternal life. But it does not go on to say, through Christ Jesus our Lord. So don't don't be deceived. Do not be deceived concerning the anointing. The anointing begins with Jesus, and the anointing is only in Jesus. Therefore, it is seen only in the believer. In the believer. That's one that you must understand. Understanding your anointing is what we're talking about. Church, if you agree with me, say amen. Therefore, it is when Christ has established you first in Christ. When God, sorry, when God has first established you in Christ Jesus. Because our text says, verse 20, for all the promises of God in him, in Christ Jesus, are yes, And in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now, he who establishes us with with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. So, first of all, the believer must be established in Christ. And if you listen to me, hear the sound of my voice, may you be properly established in Christ Jesus. May you be rooted and built up in him, in Jesus' name. Then he anoints you with the Holy Spirit. Then he anoints you with the Holy Spirit. The reason why many, though they have a a semblance, the beginnings of the Holy Spirit, they don't actually see or experience God's fullness of the Holy Spirit, that they are not fully... They are not completely established in Christ Jesus. They are not properly rooted and built up in Him. Their establishment, their faith is superficial. Um, Their faith is not complete. Their faith is not full. Their faith is not even the size, does not even measure the size of a mustard seed. And yet, we all long, we we desire to have the anointing. But all the same, church, as you learn, as you hear, as as you understand, may God anoint you this revival. In the name of Jesus. So, receiving the anointing begins with Christ Jesus. Christ, the name Christ, as you know, means the anointed one. Jesus Christ, Jesus the anointed one. Because like I said on Sunday, he being God, the Messiah, he received the fullness of the anointing. We only have measures of it. And that's why some are more anointed than others. We only receive measures of the anointing. First of all, we need to be baptized Baptize into Christ and with the Holy Spirit. Baptize into Christ and then baptize with the Holy Spirit. A revival is a spiritual experience. A revival is uh, something that is deep. Therefore, the first few days we talk about deep things. And then the final days, we come to the part where we begin to ask for our material needs, physical needs, and natural needs. But this part, of the, this part of the revival, once we get to understand the spiritual, deeply spiritual aspects of it, then you are poised, you are, you are positioned to receive your material needs. This revival, may God grant you all your material needs. In the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. So, first of all, rooted and built up in Christ Jesus. Established in Christ Jesus. Baptized in Christ Jesus. And then anointed with the Holy Spirit and his power. Church, clap your two hands for Jesus. Matthew 3, verse 11. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 11. Listen to what John the Baptist said. John the Baptist. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you. With the Holy Spirit and fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He baptized with water unto repentance. That was it. The baptism of John was a baptism of water unto repentance. That is it. But he said, there's one one coming after me. He's mightier than I. Mightier than I. And indeed, I'm not even qualified to to untie his sandals or carry his sandals. He is the one who baptizes you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And we saw it in the Apostles when um, uh, the apostles met on disciples in Ephesus. And um, they said, well, we, we are believers, but we have only been baptized into John's baptism. And then when they later on, then they received the Holy Ghost, when baptized in Jesus, they received the Holy Spirit and began to prophesy. So that's John 3, 11. Now, Luke three sixteen the same thing. Luke also recount the same thing. Luke three sixteen. Luke's Gospel three, verse sixteen. John answered, saying to all, "I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Luke 3, 16. Luke 24, verse 49. Luke 24, verse 49. And here Jesus is speaking. He said, in Luke 24, verse 49, he says, Behold... I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Hmm. Yes, very interesting. Interesting. Before he ascended to heaven, uh, some of his parting words to his disciples, followers, He said, after he had gone to heaven, he will send the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit, upon them. He will send the Holy Spirit upon them. Until then, they should just wait, tarry in the city of Jerusalem. They shouldn't try to do anything at all. They should not try to do anything. Because without the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit cannot do anything. You cannot do anything. What we are talking about is deeply spiritual. Spiritual. But tarry, wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Until you are endued with power from high. Church, may you all be endued with power from high this revival. It's it's very, very important. It's, it's, it's It's of... Utmost importance. What are we talking about? Very, 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 very serious. What are we talking about? Once again, church, may you all be endued with power from on high. Behold, I send the promise of my Father, the promise upon you, and all the promises of God are, we are told are yes, and they are amen. God, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high, until you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then you shall be witnesses to me, Jerusalem, to the end of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap your two hands for Jesus. Jesus himself in his humanity. Jesus himself in his humanity first received the anointing from the Father. He first received the anointing from the Father. He first received the anointing from the Father. Until then, he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. He didn't try to do anything. Without the anointing, we'll come to that. The anointing empowers you to do exploits. Moses tried to do what he thought was necessary in the flesh and failed. He had to run away. He had to flee. And when God anointed him, sent him back to Pharaoh, God said, Behold, told Moses, Behold, I've made you like God to Pharaoh. Now Moses came back to Egypt and Pharaoh began to tremble. The man who ran away from him 40 years ago now came back and Pharaoh trembled when they said Moses was there to see him. But God said, Behold, I've made you like God to Pharaoh. Praise the Lord. Clap your hands for this again. So Jesus waited for 30 years. Until he was endued with path on high. Matthew 3, Matthew 3, 16 and 17. Matthew chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. And behold, The heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This was the time when Jesus was anointed and commissioned. the anointing also can mean a commission. Anointed and commissioned. Baptized in the Jordan came out. Saw the heavens open. And the Spirit of God came down and alighted on him bodily like a dove. Like a dove. Imagine. The day of Pentecost... The Holy Ghost came upon the disciples, tongues of fire, tongues of fire. In the case of Jesus, the Holy Ghost came down physically like a dove and alighted on him. Not when that the Father also confirmed, confirmed, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Let me say something to you Tonight. Right now, about the anointing, which maybe many of you didn't know. Yes, we all have an anointing. We all have an anointing. The Bible says, once well, you believe that there's an anointing, the anointing abides in you. The anointing is given the measures. But, church, when God has work for you to do when god chooses you to say that many are called a few are chosen and may god choose many of you when god chooses you for an assignment commissions you to do certain work for him not for yourself Unfortunately, there are many pastors in the world today who have called themselves and, and commissioned themselves, giving themselves work to do, which God has not asked them to do. In the case of Jesus, the Holy Spirit allowed on him like a, a dove, and God also spoke to him. Um, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost came down as tongues of fire, but they were to go out. Preach the word to every nation. And when, after they they decided to stay in Jerusalem, they didn't want to go out, Uh, a persecution rose against them and they were scattered. They had to be scattered by force. When God calls you and God chooses you to do some work, uh, your life is no longer in your hands. The Bible says that when I was a child, when I was a child, I used to go wherever I would like to go. I like to go. Now that I'm an adult, grown up, somebody is leading me by the hand. It is it, the opposite. I mean, when you're a child, it's your parents who take you where they want you to go. And when you are a, when you grow up, you decide where to go. By. But when I was a child, I could go anywhere I liked. But now that I'm a grown up, now somebody else is take you, leading me by the hand and taking me where he wants to go. Do not be ignorant. When God calls you and chooses you for, a, for something like he did somewhere, somewhere when he heard the voice of God, somewhere, somewhere. Little boy, teenager, I didn't know anything. Very often there is a, a precise time. There is a definite time. You can tell that this day on this date was when God commissioned me. And that is powerful. It doesn't happen often. It is not common. It's not common. Don't wait for that. But that is not common. That hasn't happened often. We have a general assignment, a general commission. But there are some amongst us who are called, chosen, and given special assignments. And on such people, or well, to such people, God comes in a dramatic way. Dramatic way. And the person knows, that person knows, without any shadow of that, that he or she had been anointed. I remember um, our own brother, friend, Benny Hinn. He attended uh, Catherine Kuhlman's crusade. And while he was at the crusade grounds, crusade grounds he faced somebody, Holding him by the elbow. Somebody was holding him by the hand. <laughs> and the father said, I, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you. He thought somebody was holding him by the hand. And he looked at it like that God was actually holding him by the hand. God was talking to him. I'm going to use you. And we all know Benny Hinn's ministry. Praise the Lord. May God come to you in a similar way. May God come to you in a similar way. When God comes to you, how many of you can handle it? Are you sure I can handle it? Are you sure you can handle it? It's easier to say, oh yes, yes, amen. And when the time comes, you see that it is not not all eating and drinking. (laughs) Not at all. It's not eating and drinking at all. Understanding your anointing. Clap your two hands for Jesus. Praise the Lord. In other words, when you meet somebody who is anointed, that person will be able to tell you Precisely how God called him, what God said to him, and the time that God called him. The time, what God said, and how it happened. Three things. The timing, the way God called him, and what God said to him. In the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Acts 10.38. Acts 10, 38. Acts of, the, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 10, verse 38. This scripture we know, but we'll, we'll come across it a few more times. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good, and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him amen but you have an anointing you have an anointing and the anointing is from the holy one 1 John 2:20 1 John chapter 2 verse 20 do you have an anointing from the holy one and you know all things. But the anointing that you have received abides in you. John, 1 John 2, verse 27. 1 John 2, 27. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. And how the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and it's true and it's not. A lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in Him. You will abide in Him. The anointing abides in you. You have received anointing from the Holy One, verse twenty, and the anointing, you know all things. The anointing abides in you. Just say the anointing abides in me, and may the anointing abide in you. On Sunday, I said, "If you, you look at yourself." You see, the promises of God in Christ Jesus are all yes and they are amen. Uh, Because the anointing is not from you. The anointing is not from you. And therefore, a lot of times, you you don't even know that you have an anointing. Because you look at yourself, and me, Adele, me, Michael, you know, can anything good come out of me, but the anointing is from the Holy One. It doesn't come from you from God, and therefore it doesn't depend on how you see yourself. It does not depend on how you see yourself, but it depends on what, how God sees you and God, and what God wants to do with you. Therefore, he will give you anointing that is commensurate, that is, a, that is measurable, a measure of how God sees you, and may God see you today and increase the anointing upon your life. And the anointing abides in you. Whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, the anointing abides in you. Because the anointing is in Christ Jesus, begins with Christ Jesus, and is in Christ Jesus, with Christ Jesus. And therefore, once you are in Christ Jesus, the anointing abides in you. Church, say amen. Amen. Clap your two hands for Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. John chapter 15. John 15. John's Gospel. 15 verses 4 to 10. John 15 verses 4 to 10. John's Gospel chapter 15. Beginning from verse 4 and ending at verse 10. This is Jesus speaking. He says, He said, Abide in me and I in you. Mm. Abide in me and I in you. In other words, we and Jesus abide in each other. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Very, very clear, very simple. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine; You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. In other words, if you don't abide in him, then you are as good as useless. No only can you not do anything. But you are cast out, you wither, and you are burned. Consequence of not abiding in Jesus as a believer, then you are if your situation is worse than non-believer. Not only do you not bear any fruit at all, not only can you not do anything, you can't do anything, you can't bear any fruit, but you are also cast out. You are you wither, thrown into the fire and burned. Verse seven: If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. You will ask what you desire, and it will be done for you. So, the question is: How do you abide in Jesus? Here, His mercy talking, saying about His words, His words. If you abide in verse seven, if you abide in me. And my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciple. That's verse eight. Now, Jesus is saying that abiding in Him is not just by saying that oh, I'm abiding in you. Anyone can say that I'm abiding in you. No. Abiding in him means that you also make his words abide in you. Know his words. Know his words. Know his commandments and obey them. Is that if you love me, obey my commandments. The only way you can demonstrate, you can show to Jesus that you love him is by obeying his commandments. He demonstrated his love towards us by dying for us, taking our place in the cross. You could, have, you could say, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. Anyone can say, I love you. I love you. Hello? Praise the Lord. One day I was in Swedru and uh, there was this brother who secretly was desiring to become a pastor of the church secretly desired to become a pastor of the church, of our branch in Swaydru. And there was this sister who was like the church, church treasure accountant. And the day I left, I called the two of them for a meeting. And um, I gave the sister 200 CDs for herself, and the brother also 200 CDs for himself. And i realized that i had after that i had six cities in coins left six cities in coins left so i said oh the sister comes from a longer distance away i would have liked to share the six cities three cities among them but because the sister comes from a longer distance away um, we should all agree to give the six cities to their sister, the sister. So the sister, very happy, said, told the brother, Oh, Daddy says I should take the six CDs. And this brother who is trying to become the pastor of the church, said, S- he actually barked, growled like a roar like a lion, and shared the t- six CDs. With her, three, three, C three, three, coins. Hello. There and then, I changed my opinion about this brother because if if you 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 just a pastor of the church, pastor of the church, and um, you are supposed to love every member, just like I love every one of you, supposed to love everyone equally equally. it the council, you cannot give up three CDs. <laughs> After taking two hundred CDs, six CDs, six design in Toka. He actually roared like a lion and shared the money with her equally down the middle, down the center, three three. Such a, such a one cannot be a pastor of a church if he cannot sacrifice three CDs. Out of love. Because this sister comes from a longer distance and we're further away for her transport. So, that showed me that this brother didn't actually love the sister. Didn't actually, for that matter, didn't love anybody in the church. So, there's always a way in which you can demonstrate your love. Jesus demonstrated his love towards us by dying for us. And he actually died for us. And therefore, he says, if you love me, Obey my commandments. That's the way you can show. That's the way you can love him. So now he's saying that my words must abide in you. Before you can obey the commandments, his words must abide in you. His words must abide in you. Praise the Lord. Know the word. Know his word. Know his word. Be be enthusiastic. Be, Be thrilled by his word. Be, be, be eager to know his word. Uh, put his word above everything else. Put his word above anything else. I've told you we're in Bible school for two years and I never miss a day. Two years. As a surgeon, I took two years leave without pain. Two years leave without pay. Because I wanted to study the word of God. I wanted to know. I knew that God had called me. I heard the audible voice of God and I felt the anointing. I heard the voice of God, I felt the anointing. My life, I became, a, I became another man. I became another man. And I, I actually, you know, hunger for the word of God. And I look forward to, to every day in Bible school. Every day. The subjects. I wanted to know. No, no, no. Two years, I never missed one day. To my surprise, though we were about thirty-five in the class, most of them, some of them, will come only one day in a week. And training ground pastors, one day in a week, some will come in the morning, eleven o'clock. Otilo, you know Otilo. Otilo means he's gone. It's Yoruba means he's gone. All kinds of excuses, and I was there every day. From morning till we close. For two years. Never miss a day. Why? Because I wanted the word to to abide in me. I wanted to know the word. I wanted to eat, drink, breathe, and swallow the word of God. Hallelujah. May God also put his spirit upon you like that. In the name of Jesus. If you find the word of God unattractive, you find it, um, you know, the word of God is... You don't find it very exciting, very palatable, very sweet. You don't hunger for it. Yes, you may have an anointing, but your anointing may be limited. Church, if you agree with me, say amen. Amen. Clap your two hands for Jesus. So verse 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. It shall be done for you. Don't forget that. Then verse 9. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. If Jesus will keep the Father's commandments, why can't we keep our Father's commandments? The first fruits, if he could keep the Father's commandments, we should also do so. And that's how you get the anointing not just by asking, not by asking, but before you begin to ask, you must have qualified for it. You don't go to exams without preparing for the exams. You fail. When you are prepared, then you register for the exam. You go and you pass. Praise the Lord. That Opportunity and for Jesus. Finally, just say mercy. Say mercy. After all this, There's an element of God's mercy attached to this. Romans 9, verses 15 and 16. Romans 9, 15 and 16. Side by side, parallel to all that we're saying, don't forget God is God. God is God. So, Romans 9, 15, 16. Romans 9.15 for, for he says to Moses For he says to Moses I will have mercy of God mercy and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then it is not of him who wills nor of him who runs but of God who shows mercy. Just say mercy. Say compassion. Before we get into prayer, there are two two sides to this scripture. There are two sides to this scripture, my daughter. Listen carefully. You see, God said to Moses, "I'll have compassion on whomever I'll have compassion." God said He decides to have compassion on whomever you. Nobody tells Him who to have compassion on and who not. He decides. And you have mercy on who he wants to have mercy. So Moses. It therefore means that it is not not because you want it. It doesn't depend entirely on the fact that you want something. Especially when it comes to anointing. It does not depend entirely on the fact that you work for it. Working for it. You work so that you will get it. No. Rather, it depends on God and His mercy. Praise the Lord. So, somebody may actually desire it with all his heart, his soul, and his might. When I say, anointing, I mean greater anointing. I may not give it to him or her. Because. God decides whom to give to. By His mercy and by His compassion. At the same time, the flip side, the B side, it can also mean that somebody who is not even interested, <laughs> somebody who is not even desiring, not interested, <laughs> hello? <laughs> and therefore, that doesn't even have a desire for it is not working for it, Now God has to give it to him. God decides to give it to him. And we see that in Jesus. They say, ah, isn't this Joseph's son? Are <laughs> uh, his brothers and sisters not, not with us here? Where did he get all these things from? Where did he get these from? When he went to Nazareth, they knew him as a of, Ah, he didn't go to any, he didn't train under Gamaliel he didn't train under any scribe or Pharisee. Where did you get all these things? Where did you get the anointing from? In other words, yes, you may not even what I'm trying to say that you may not even desire the anointing. You have anointing, but you may not even be des- des- desiring her anointing. You may not even working. You may not even trying to, to get it. And then all of a sudden. God comes to you and says, My daughter, my son, I have youth for you, I have need for you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Clap your two hands for Jesus. And very often that's how it works. Very often that's the way it works. Those who are not expecting it, those who feel even unqualified or disqualified, they are the ones that God will choose. To the amazement, disappointment, sometimes envy, and jealousy of their peers. Where did he get this from? And that's how God works. So, my message for you, now as you understand the anointing, is a very complicated subject. But, God makes it very simple. And when when God anoints you, begin to understand all these things. Right now we need many, many, many leaders in the FCAC. We need leaders in the FCAC. Leadership is not eating and drinking. Leadership means work. In fact, I got to know some time ago that a minister is a servant. A minister means a servant. So when you minister, you are serving. servant. When we say someone is a reverend minister, a reverend minister, it means that a minister who is dignified, is a dignified minister. So a dignified servant. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> the first thing is a servant, but a dignified one. Hello? That means, yes, you may still be wearing your... Uh, ministerial robes, but you still have to bow down and wash feet. Praise the Lord, Hallelujah. Hello, uh, you may receive called Reverend, Reverend, but you still have to do the servant's work. Servant's work. Therefore, have an open mind. Have an open mind, so that when God comes to you. You will not be like Samuel, you will not be running to Ellie and say, you called me. You hear and identify and know the voice of God. Just abide in him, abide in the words, because the anointing begins with Jesus. The anointing is in Jesus, and the anointing grows in Jesus. Now, when he comes to you, and I pray that he comes to every one of you. Well, I didn't hear your Amen. You will not be like Samuel, you will not be running to to Ellie three times. For Ellie, who was not anointed to tell you that it's who is is calling you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Clap your hands for Jesus.